Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. We got a special episode. Uh, today we are talking about a film suggested by our Patreon subscriber, JR, who is with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We hey, are man. talking about the 2008 rom-com, Bar Stars. This movie's a couple of things, and dude, I know you love this movie. Oh, yeah. We're going to tell the truth about this movie. Oh, no, I expect you to. I, I, I this... think you <laughs> This this movie is a demonstration in how to end your career in the film industry. It's a 2008 rom-com about a group of contestants competing for a job with a nightclub influencer. It's one of three films in the short-lived career of a, a bad idea filmmaker. It was made on a budget of $7 million, rated PG-13, and they tried really, really hard to maintain that PG-13 rating. There's lots of Fs in this movie, but they never say fuck. It's always F. <laughs> an hour and 45 minutes long with about an hour of montages. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds fair. It's got a 36% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The movie appears to be heavily inspired by the first season, which aired the year before this movie was made, of a VH1 reality elimination game show called The Pickup Artist. Yes, I this, remember this that. Was, okay. I, well, so if I may, I'm 36. So I, at that time, I, this is when I was in my very early 20s. So a lot of this, I remember it being blasted at me at full force and i remember like the, the the whole the pickup artist culture when it first started or at least started to get some kind of more yeah like mainstream appeal in that it had a reality show on vh1 and it was just it's really absurd what that's all turned into since then too yeah so this show was basically a reality elimination game show a guy who called himself mystery dressed like a peacock in yeah, yeah. A clown suit I just remember he he had goggles on like ninety percent of the time that show was on and like I <laughs> and like I was like who's wearing goggles and like I didn't know and I was not you know I'm not a big anime guy but everybody's wearing goggles so I, I don't know yeah just the hat and the goggles but I remember that show yeah basically he assembled a group of of six inept guys several of them self styled virgins and taught them how to pick up ladies at the club. Uh, the movie was directed by Michael Pietzek. He was the executive producer of a 17-episode animated series called Betsy's Kindergarten Adventure, from writer and producer on Three Days to Vegas. And this actually sounded like it could have been a decent movie, which probably explains how he got the budget that he got for this one. Yeah. Movie starred Peter Falk, Rip Torn, George Siegel, and Billy Cobbs as four grumpy old men headed to Las Vegas to break up a wedding. Uh-huh. That is that is quite the murder row cast. Though. Like that's that's some pretty impressive names. And yeah, exactly. I, if it was anything like this, I can see why all the parties involved made sure nobody ever saw it. And then this was the uh, final film in his film career. 
Movie was written by Peter Kostanek and Mark James. This is the only credit for either of them. This is one and done for them. Cinematographer, Kevin McKnight. And this is where the talent starts to show up in this one. His credits include Hidalgo, starring Viggo Mortensen, K-9 with Jim Belushi, and the CBS action drama series SEAL Team, along with Shameless and the TV series The Purge. So we've got some talent behind the camera. I would say so. I mean, it's not a poorly shot film. It like no. it, it like it, it, clearly there was competent technical skills behind the making of it. So like, there's definitely I think we still, especially I he got seven million. That is that is mind boggling. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the money went. In. So here's the thing about about the budget for this film. This budget was not primarily filmed or funded by a film studio or a production company. It was primarily filmed by a private equity firm that was looking to get into film production. And so this seemed like a place to start. There's a reason why the majority of films are not funded by private equity companies and are instead funded by by film studios. Because the studio would not have given the go-ahead or the checkbook for this script. The, the <laughs> talent is there in front of the camera. The talent's there behind the camera. The talent was not in the script. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> casting by Jackie Birch. This is the same person who was in charge of casting for The Breakfast Club, Die Hard, Coming to America. Punchline, which was that Tom Hanks film with uh, Tom Hanks and Sally Field that made me want to be a stand-up comedian and taught me the term optical poptitude, which is when your eyes, you know, shoot out. I uh, I did actually do stand-up in Boston and New York City for about seven and a half, eight years, and I will say uh, there there are no comedy club blockers. That's, <laughs> that's that's not a thing. No, no, it's not. Uh, she also worked on Roadhouse, Predator, Weird Science, and Vegas Vacation. Stunt coordinator. They had a stunt coordinator for this movie. Yeah. Be because, I guess, posing. Well, they had a bar fight. Yeah. So, yeah. Stunt coordinator Steve Picerni, who worked on Lethal Weapon 2, Die Hard, Patriot Games, Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, Daredevil, Westwood, True Blood, and most recently, Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's all pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we got we got lots of talent in the crew. Movie stars Derek Waters as Barry. Barry is known for Super Troopers, The Dukes of Hazard, and Drunk History. Yeah, and, I like it. really good. I like yeah, his shit. Yeah. Especially or Die. That shit was genius on Funny or Die. Yes. He kind of kind of reads as a sleepy Mike Berbiglia. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Finn as Douglas, and if it weren't for D Drunk History, nobody would know who this guy is. I know that really disappoints me, by the way, because this was this was like peak swinging dick Charlie Finn. Like he had just had that bit part in Super Troopers, and he was supposed to shoot to the moon, and just didn't pop. Like he did this in a movie called Rolling Kansas, which nobody saw but they like comedy central bought like two or three years later and i just saw a million times at 2 a.m i've seen that movie yeah i saw rolling kansas yeah i remember when they 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 played it like every other day on comedy central it was <laughs> well i mean part of the reason 
that may have may have led to him not taking off is he really reads as a cross between Norm Macdonald and Diedrich Bader. And I mean, th- this character is supposed to be, uh, Jesse, you remember Matthew Lillard's role in The Curve? Oh, yeah. Or kind of that, like, that, uh, that complete psychopath or sociopath, but, but like funny watered, about it. Um, like a watered-down Van Wilder. You yeah. Know? It's, it's, just, like, it's something that's just been done several times before like you don't oh you yeah have all these people who do it do you really need another guy yeah yeah his delivery is very derivative like, like it's a pg-13 movie you know and it's like oh man you know they're just trying to they're trying to push the envelope but with like pg-13 so it's kind of like it's like really watered down i mean it, it could have worked if they went like you know full fill boogie and like just let them go hog wild you know but it's like they had to rein it in because they're trying to like market this film to so many people. Yeah. I, I also wonder to what extent a lot of that is like ADR and reshoots of them saying originally saying the F word in the script and then having and like like no, we can barely get this out. You guys gotta make think PG thirteen or it's not happening. Yeah. I think I think their idea there might have been that the PG thirteen toning it down might have made it more funny. But it didn't. I think no. it was kind of an inside joke no. that didn't. It didn't go over well. If John Grease as Ricky Fabulous, this guy appeared in Men in Black, Get Shorty, Real Genius, Napoleon Dynamite, Martin, Beverly Hills 90210, and one of my favorite uh, HBO series, Carnival. Hell yeah, that guy's a fucking legend. Uh, I love him everything. He was also. The only guy that played a werewolf in two films that came out the same year was the uh, Monster yeah. Squad, and then like uh, Fright Night Two. He both he played the Wolfman in both of those, which I thought was nice. fucking awesome. He was yeah. the Wolfman in Monster Squad. I only just recently saw that. They were way too old for us. Like, <laughs> reel it in, guys. Come on. But yeah. I just because and also again, so this this movie like they shot it in late two thousand five and didn't get released till two thousand eight. But again, they're. John Grease feels like he was an add-on after the flick, where they're like, uh, we gotta do something. Uh, can we get Uncle Rico on this? Yeah, it kind of felt like that, because, like, it, it, I don't know, it, it has, like, a different, well, of course, it's like a flashback, you know, and stuff most of the time you see him, but, yeah, it looks like his shit was tacked on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was probably one of those things. How much are you paying me? I'll show up for half a day. <laughs> if you can shoot everything in half a day, I'll do it. And they did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he probably owed somebody a favor. That's that may be too. Yeah, yeah. John Bernthal is Johnny Pintron. He did the primetime crime circuit, appearing in CSI Miami, Law and Order SVU, and Boston Legal. Also appeared in The Wolf of Wall Street, King Richard, where Will Smith probably did not slap him. <laughs> he played Frank Castle, uh, the Punisher in the Daredevil TV series and the Punisher TV series, and Shane Walsh in the first couple of seasons of The Walking Dead before Carl shot him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Say years and years ago, the very first time I watched this, I I still had Twitter. I actually was like, I put out there, like, John Bernthal gets a lifetime pass for playing uh, Donnie Pintron in Bar Stars. And whoever the social media guy was, like, liked it and retweeted it. I was like, because I was also, I went on a tear on everybody on Twitter at the time of, of Derek Waters, of Charlie Pitt, and just talked to me about this movie and no, nobody. But he, out of the entire cast, was like, 
liked and retweeted. Like, so I think he probably did, especially because he's been as successful as the event has been since, probably still has somewhat of a good sense of humor about Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everybody's got those movies that were horrible. Why did I make that? I mean, Robin Williams joked about Popeye forever. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki Griffin is uh, Donnie's sister, Penny. She appeared in Dawson's Creek, The O.C., Young and the Restless, Dukes of Hazard, and Tokyo Drift. Jaina Kramer as Ryan. She appeared in One Tree Hill, Friday Night Lights, Entourage, and 90210. Jama Mays as Tiffany, another drunk history alum, along with Ugly Betty, Heroes, Glee, and the recently canceled United States of Al. He was also in a bunch of those terrible, I think it's Aaron Schwartz is the guy's name, the, the people who made like Date Movie and Epic Movie and Disaster oh, Movie. She's she in like all, the, all of those. No, she, yeah, she was like in all those fucking movies. Like, I don't know what she like, I don't know. Her and like the cast of Mad TV were like. Yeah. And finally, my favorite character of the entire movie, Charlie Murphy is Clay the Doorman. Ugh. Charlie Murphy, best like known for being those, Charlie like, Murphy. Superhero. I was about, yeah. <laughs> Chappelle's show is Boondocks and Black Jesus. This guy is the most out of place character in the movie and is one of the few redeeming qualities of this film. <laughs> it was my favorite part. Well, he's also, he also is Arnie, the guy who, uh, the fake ID, uh, yeah, too. But he also, he feels like enough, because this movie is so much just very, like a product of its time. It's very much a time capsule of this, like, mid 2000s right. era. And he was, yeah, he, that was, that was just like Chappelle Show was 2003, where he did the Charlie Murphy True Hollywood stories. And I think like 2004 was when Boondock started. And so he wasn't, he, he also feels like, a John Grease in this movie too, where it's like, uh, who can we get to shoot for like a like a day and a half in, in like three different outfits and just knock them out? Yeah. Movie starts uh with voiceover and a title card, a flashback. Starts with a flashback. San Bernardino in 1974 outside a nightclub, and voiceover explaining the social politics of nightclubs and introducing Clay. And Ricky Fabulous, the bar star. He is apparently a disco celebrity. He's a John Travolta Saturday Night Late Saturday Night Fever knockoff. And of course, they break the fourth wall uh, a bit by explaining, "I'm dancing to an '80s house remix in 1974. I was on MySpace in 1978." MySpace figures really big in this movie. The, like you said, the movie was made in in. 05, MySpace launched in 03, and until 2010, it was the largest social media outlet in the world. It was really the first social media to, to take off like that. So MySpace, huge in this movie. Yeah. No, I remember when that one hit. Because I, I had been on live before that, but that was, you know, like me and like the other like weirdo. You know, spooky kids were all like being, we were all being like sad on, on live journal. And then MySpace hit. That was, that was a game changer to how ubiquitous that became. Like, I remember that, that, like, that's, that's a throwaway line, like in, uh, in Super Bad, too, where, uh, Joe Matrulio hits, uh, that kid with his car. He's like, are you guys on MySpace? Like, being a creepy adult asking children about that. Yeah. 
Next, we get a road trip montage with the opening credits, and Barry Schlotzak arrives at his buddy Douglas's aunt's house. Uh, she's letting them stay there. They have moved to San Bernardino from Ohio to attend community college there. And there are Jesuses everywhere here. We got the Jesus cross hanging on the wall. We got the Jesus candles. There's probably some Mexican Jesus candles in there, too. We got the Jesus paintings. And, and they only show this one time. It never plays a part in the movie. It doesn't even come up in conversation. It's just look around the living room. Let's move yeah. on with the story. Also, there's a picture of Ronald Reagan. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, there is a picture of Ronald Reagan in there as well. That's the oh, same yeah. picture that was hanging on the wall when I uh, took the oath to join the army. That's but that that is that is that is the conceit of this movie that two people move from Ohio to San Bernardino to go to community college. Yeah, of course. Who doesn't do that? Well, while Barry is uh, putting his laundry away, Douglas enters with his laundry wrapped up in a duct tape ball, which makes sense because how else are you going to get a handle on it? And the only alternative is to put it in a trash bag, and everybody does that. I don't know, man. I think from now on, I'm just going to tape it into a ball. I mean, that's what I would usually do is, like, trash bagging it. This guy's kind of like living in the, you know, the future. <laughs> well, Barry's phone rings, and Douglas answers it because Barry told him to let it go to voicemail. And it turns out to be Tiffany, Barry's ex-boyfriend. Um, she's uh, nuts and distraught because Barry broke up with her. They've actually moved from Ohio to Southern California to escape Tiffany. And she doesn't take it well when Douglas tells her a lie that Barry came out to California, met somebody, won the lottery, and they're rich, so they're going to try to get pregnant. Yep. Uh -huh. Now, at this point in the movie, we know everything that's going to happen for the rest of this film. They're, they're coming to a new school, so somebody's going to meet somebody. It's going to go badly because he's not being himself. The crazy ex-girlfriend's going to show up happily ever after at the end. Formula rom-com from here on. I know. The company that bought the rights to this movie, from what I like, read in some articles, is that the guys, two guys who wrote this, originally had like a pre-YouTube like website where they had videos that they put up and it was like sketch comedy about the kinds of people that you would see at nightclubs. And that was what the development deal was based around was that type of material. And it's like, you, okay, like I'm not saying there's nothing there, but I don't know how you make a movie out of that. It's just like, I don't know, just we'll, we'll slap a button, we'll slap something and make it out. And this is actually the point in the movie where we, we know that they're trying really hard for this PG-13 because they won't say fuck. And it's super effed up that they had to effing leave town to get away from this effing crazy girl who's going to eff up everything for them. But yeah, it, it, it is kind of funny the way they, they, they bought into it and, and they, they ran with it so hard throughout this whole thing. And there's even a line at the end where it finally pays off. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, the other thing about Douglas that makes him super annoying 
is the fact that he can't stop saying San Bernardino. (laughs) (laughs) He's waiting for a reaction, and Barry's just not giving him the reaction, which is what makes it funny. On campus at San Bernardino Junior College, which was actually the name of the place, they've recently changed it to San Bernardino Valley College, but the signs on campus, you know, San Bernardino Junior College. That was the name of it. This this college has been around for a hundred years now. Oh wow! Um, and so they actually shot on site at the college. Uh, lots of students wandering slowly around the campus, backed by a punk rock soundtrack. Barry's trying to figure out where he's going when he turns around and runs right into Ryan, knocking her books to the ground. This is the love of his life, obviously. Of course. He should have just shouted Q when he bumped into her. What's that? He should, he should have just shouted Q when they bumped into each other. <laughs> <laughs> also see Douglas walking through campus, greeting everybody like he knows them. Some of them he knows by name, which is kind of weird. Or maybe he's just making up names. I don't, don't really know. <laughs> well, he shows up and Barry introduces Douglas to Ryan. Douglas then sets about embarrassing Barry by telling Ryan all about his insecurities and how he left town to get away from a crazy girl. But maybe he'll be okay. The whole time Barry is talking to Ryan, they're standing in line for something. And there's this creepy guy behind (laughs) Ryan wearing clothes that are way too small. And he's digging in his belly button and eating whatever he finds there. Yeah. And so Barry is rambling aimlessly just to keep her from turning around and seeing this crap. It really was just, I, I, that again is one of these things that does make me love this movie as much as I do. And I fully acknowledge that it's terrible. It's just like, who made this decision to be like, Hey, even though we're going to have him immediately afterward, get embarrassed by his best friend uh, in front of this girl. Let's also like, just throw in, a big fat guy eating his belly button because like, why not put a hat on it? Well, you know, here's the thing there. And this is why I did not pursue stand up beyond doing a few open mics. There's some comic intelligence there, but not enough to sustain the whole thing, you know? Right. And, and I knew enough to know that, that that's the condition I was in and got out of it. Some people needed a little longer to figure it out, but it works. That, that, that was kind of funny, though, and you don't, you don't see that. That's not like a retread joke. No. So, so that, that, that was good, at least. Douglas and Barry leave, and Ryan is stuck there. Uh, she turns around and sees creepy belly button guy, and he lacks any sort of self-awareness he's just staring at her grinning while he digs in his belly button he's just living his best life man, you know? i guess if that's the best he can do though <laughs> geez oh i would say uh too very minor note about that scene but uh barry has this excellent t-shirt that i've been trying to find so it's a play on the uh uh, Elvis Presley TCB with a lightning bolt and a flash, but instead of TCB, it's L- uh, LBC for Long Beach, like California. And I was, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to find it anywhere. But God, I hope I do something because I just thought that was so sick. Yeah, I was, I was staring at that shirt the entire time that scene was playing. I was like, man, that's a sublime thing, isn't it, or something? And I was like, where have I seen that before? I've seen it on something else too, but like, yeah, it's a pretty cool design. 
you know what the him him name checking fish and what was clearly an improv later in the movie it, it might have actually even been one of his own shirts if that is like a, a, a sublime thing yeah it may be yeah well, Douglas and Barry are walking across campus, and Douglas is explaining to Barry that he did that to save him from jumping off the first cliff he sees. Douglas gives Barry a pep talk as a guy walks by with a miniature horse for some reason. <laughs> it does. I it was, and there's a couple times when they do some just some weird shit that they throw in there, some weird visual thing that's thrown in there, just like a a hot shot what the hell is that doing here thing that kind of reminds me of like uh Derek waters like kind of stuff like just weird shit yeah like stuff on funnierdie.com was like that it was just like trying to be serious i mean hell drunken history is like that it's yeah. like all the war documentary and then some silly shit happens because of drunk guys narrating you know yeah i like it, it was cool well, they see a couple of hot girls at a picnic table, and Barry tries to convince Douglas he can get her number. Douglas, you know, she's way out of your league, and, and he's probably right. But Barry's, Barry's got the confidence of a guy who's been dropped on his head so many times he can't feel it anymore. <laughs> so he's going to do it. He's going to go up there and talk to her, and, and these girls are really offended to meet him. <laughs> They also only date guys in their 30s who are into girls in their 20s. So. And, they go, and boy, that's just the, the uniforms that they put on those two of those knockoff jeans or tracksuits. Again, I don't know to what extent like any of that ever uh, was like a thing for either one of you, like being a thing you saw constantly. But like I, I, I was, yeah, I was in my early 20s when like that when when this was made and that was like oh that, yeah saw it everywhere but then i also for a stretch lived in arizona in scottsdale and they never took off the juicy coach or tracksuits in scottsdale <laughs> yeah well barry gets shot down hard but that's not gonna stop him douglas has a plan to completely rebuild barry from the ground up so he takes him to a club and clay apparently works at this club too he's at the door he lets douglas in but he takes a minute to give Barry a life lesson about getting into clubs he shouldn't be in. At the bar, there's a creepy bar guy with a flock of seagulls mullet. And he gives Douglas a beer and refuses to let him pay for it for some reason. He just knew. He just knew, man. Douglas was something special. And, and also, the, I, just the, you look like my own terror. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was a good line there. Yeah. Uh, well, Douglas teaches Barry about the different types of people in the club. The thoroughheads, because they're thorough. They keep it thorough. They, they keep it thorough, yeah. yeah. Uh, the etards, who are ravers. And yeah. the boxheads, known for homoerotic behavior. Basically, they're, they're um, well, they're in gay shape. Yes. It's, 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 there's some parts of this movie that really didn't age right. They didn't. They didn't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the rest is filler, like the old dude, the underage teens, the hot mom, and the dwarf pushing the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> Again, there's another, another miniature horse right there. Which yeah. uh, Douglas, very, in a very 2005 way, refers to uh, the dwarf and person in a wheelchair as a cap and a midget. Yes. Ugh. That, that one that one hits the ear pretty hard. It's a hard M. Well, the most important person in the bar is the bar star. And enter Donnie Pintron with his entourage. TJ Ficus, 
and Corey Lemuke. Corey Lemuke is a burned out surfer dude, and Ficus is a really bad breakdancer with a Harbor Freight mini megaphone. Mm-hmm. The man has more mini megaphones than Alex Jones. Just he loves that thing in this movie. Uh, that guy, that's that's Atheon Crockett, by the way. He's a stand up comedian. He's done a handful of movies too. Uh, he goes on Instagram live a lot because he tours. I'm gonna get him someday to talk to you about this movie. I like, I got. I, I, <laughs> it's the next time he's on tour in New York, then I'll like trap him down and I'll like I'll wait outside because I'm not gonna wait to see stand up. Sounds well. Awesome. I, I like I have to talk to you about this. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll give you fair warning because I've been trying for over a year to get uh, Jimmy Jackson to talk to us about alien addiction. And when they make something really, really stupid, they put it behind them and they never go back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, TJ Ficus uses his megaphone to just repeat the phrase Pintron, son, over and over again. Well, they make their way to the VIP area where Donnie takes his throne and the girls they met at lunch are there too. Well, Douglas has got a plan to make Barry a bar star. Meanwhile, Penny is complaining to Donnie about the hot mom. Donnie motions to a bouncer who picks her up, throws her over his shoulder, and carries her out of the bar. Next day at the mall, Barry's working in a T-Mobile kiosk with a creepy guy who is not at all subtly flirting with him. <laughs> oh, man, that is... Uh, I So I, I would like to say, though, right, so the, the transition from that nightclub scene into the mall, they have an audio wipe that they use throughout the movie, and it's Donnie Pintron's, like, cocaine laugh, like, that kind of coke laugh. Yeah. And that's, that's like, in multiple, like, uh, scene transitions, they use that as, like, an audio transition between them. It, it's insane. Yep. I just, I have no idea. Like, I, 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 I genuinely wonder who made that call. That's, that was, that's what, like, <laughs> it reminds me of, like, that old Batman show where it's, like, da na na yeah. <laughs> Zoom in and out. It's like that. I think they did the same thing in Pootie Tang. Yeah, it's it's kind of nuts. Well, this this guy, I mean, this guy is not at all subtle about his stuff. He's first of all, he wants he wants Barry to be impressed with who he is because you know he he worked at another T-Mobile kiosk as well. That's where he got his junior manager training. And you might not know this, but I'm gold star club, like one, two, three. What is that? That's four. Oh, yeah, four. Four years now. <laughs> They're both wearing the pink T-Mobile polos, and he comments that he really likes that shirt you've got on. It's really bad. Yeah, he's just he's, he's just so, like, he's, like, pushy and, like, bay and really... I, I I like I get I, I get like what that they what they were like trying to go for with that was just like oh this is this is just more uncomfortable than it is funny oh it's super cringy super yeah. cringy Ryan walks up to the kiosk she is working at the Gap and wants to change her phone number Dick takes over by writing tag team on a post-it note and sticking <laughs> it on the counter right in front of her for for Barry to see. He wants to help by insulting her phone yeah. uh, and insulting her for having it. 
then to prove how cool he is, he takes out his Motorola Razor flip phone to show, which he keeps in a holster, by the way. Of course. Yeah. To show her pictures of his cat and himself in a toga. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, like, he also, he says, like, oh, it's like doing, like, National David, which makes me wonder, was it originally a picture of him in a toga, or was it supposed to be him, like, dick out? Yeah, no, uh, I think it was, like, Michael, or uh, the David statue. Yeah. Yeah. Because instead, he's like, yeah, he's in a toga holding an apple, like, right for his dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Barry gets Ryan her new phone number, and they head to the food court for lunch. In the food court, they meet Douglas, who doesn't want Barry to spend time with Ryan at all. Douglas tells Barry about a raffle coming up to decide who will be Donnie Pintron's next intern. Apparently, Donnie Pintron has a influencer company called Pintron LLC, and they're choosing a new intern to work with them. Barry isn't sure he wants to go for that, but then an old lady shows up to tell him to live a little because all she does is wake up at 4 a.m., cough up blood, and stare out the window, except on Mondays when she shaves her crotch and plays bingo. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all just so unnecessary, even though it, I guess it is a setup to a later scene. But again, it's just that why I love this movie so much is that nobody isn't going Every like nobody's right. phoning it in. They and I think they're all aware of how terrible it is. But they're like, you know what, man, I'm here. I'll like I, I might as well like actually do a, the best job I can with what they've given. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing. You know, one of the things that is really common if if you listen to actors talk about some of the trash they've made is it becomes really clear in the table read that oh, yeah. this script is bad. So let's get paid and have some fun. And that's what they do. Oh, yeah. Donnie Pintron, meanwhile, is with his crew doing a workout montage when a product placement for Gold's Gym. And Corey Lemuke looks a lot like John Reap in this scene. Instead, it's, it's not John Reap, though. Instead, it's the guy who played J. Edgar Hoover in Boardwalk Empire. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah, man. It just... Hanging out, hanging out on the on the treadmill, not moving, and just ripping a heater, like right inside. Good, good for you, buddy. I do, wonder <laughs> wanted, I do wonder if they wanted to like have him smoke a joint because he had that very like like stereotypical surfer character that he was doing. Right. They probably couldn't have gotten away with that if they were trying to get thirteen. No, no, you so, could barely. I mean, it was twenty oh five was the end of the era where you could smoke a cigarette and and not get an R rating. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. Right now, if there's a cigarette in your if somebody's smoking a cigarette in your movie, your movie's rated R. That's all there is to it. That's all it takes to get an R rating these days. So um, they're discussing the raffle that they're going to to have to to choose their new intern and posing because that's what their workout is all about is posing. Uh, meanwhile, Donnie is explaining the economics of being an, a bar star on the allowance their rich parents give them and also take the uh, opportunity to display his nipple, which mm -hmm. Ficus mm -hmm. and Lemuke love, by the way. Oh, yeah. And as they leave, Ficus uses his megaphone to cause a treadmill wipeout. Of course. There is in that sequence, too, uh, where 
Donnie is running down like the various expenses that they have, you know, uh, wardrobe and, and accessories and all that. A woman passes and he sniffs at her and says, "Like you need to clean, like you need to shower, lady. You need to clean yourself." I remember like vivid. Uh, so the trailer for this, uh, when they released it, they would show it like on Adult Swim all the time, and that is one of the lines from the trailer. It's like that, and it's within I think like the first like ten. It's, it's like a minute or two and a, or a minute and a half long, and it's, one of the first ten seconds of the trailer is <laughs> Donnie Pintron shouting at a woman in a gym. That she's that her crotch smells again. Choices were made. Just yeah, everything about this movie was wrong. And see, and the pathos and the writing. Oh yeah. So I I love it so much. I know you love this movie, but yeah. this this is this is why this movie's bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is just a perfect disaster. Cut to Tiffany calling Barry. She's getting crazier, just like we knew she would. She has a giant knife and wants to know if Barry's met a new girl. She's holding that knife over a naked Ken doll. And when Barry says that, you know, uh, he's he, he, he basically just tries to get off the phone as quickly yeah. as possible. And uh, once he does, he says, you know, I, I don't think she's crazy. And then Tiffany just chops the naked Ken doll in half with her giant knife. Did he's the also- only one who thinks she's not crazy. Oh, of course. She also has this. On, for no reason at all. Again, another one of these like just tight gags they threw in. She's got the Zach Morris like nineteen eighty nine. Oh yeah, the yeah. yeah. That's another thing that kept on like because like yeah, everything's like flip phones and stuff, and like hell, it's like T Mobile in the fucking mall in the kiosk. Yep. And then yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, she's like this like little innocent like doe eyed chick with like the fucking butcher knife. From Mike Myers' collection and the Zach Morris uh, cell phone. That yeah, it was like weird. Like everything about like I had like flashbacks to like that era. <laughs> From here, we cut to Donnie and his crew driving up in their car covered with sponsor logos, blaring music with vibrating license plate. While Donnie delivers a monologue about bass, and the back window of the car blows out. I've been there, man. Yeah. That- yeah. I was the guy in the back. It's like there's that. That is another uh, uh, trailer selection too of that back. That shot of the back window exploding, and yeah. and Donnie Pentron saying that bass is the nectar of God's. They didn't. Interestingly enough, they didn't include him saying bass is the blood of Jesus in the trailer for the film. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, that it's, and I, I I did ask. I, I asked a friend of mine uh, who was more of a raver type in our young years, and I played that song for him. Said it, he, he would he would have classified it as progressive house or electro pop. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. They didn't. I will say the, the, the they clearly didn't have a huge budget for soundtrack on this, so they like clearly made a lot of movie uh, uh, music itself for the movie. It's goofy, but it's not terrible. Like that's actually like it's relative. It, it definitely kind of captures, I guess, uh, uh, the, the genres I was trying to go for a lot of. Music. Right. Oh yeah, it's like the, those old Grand Theft Auto. Radio stations before they started licensing music, where they yeah. just like, <laughs> like, like it's like everything fit, it worked. I liked it. Yeah. Yep. Well, they walk into the print shop where Donnie shares a goofy choreographed handshake with Cole. Cole is, uh, Cole definitely wants to be part of Donnie's crew. He's got his shell necklace and everything. That's uh, there- Mikey Day, uh, who's very good on Saturday Night Live. I know he's done a bunch of other stuff, yeah. but that's where I know. Uh- Oh yeah, I love him on Saturday Night Live. He's great. 
Uh, he has on also his outfit. Again, just this, this movie is a perfect capture of this era of the mid-2000s where he looks like, and I know this is this is a reference that it's going to be lost on everybody, but he looks like an avatar from a chat program called Palace. Like, it's the, the upside-down visor and the super tight tee, and you don't get shot below the waist, but what's that? I, he looks like one of my friend's uh, fucking Xbox avatars. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you don't get a shot below the waist, but he almost certainly, I would guess, had, would have had those giant kickwear pants. Oh, like, Jinkos. Yeah. like and and, A chain wallet, like a yeah. big fat chain wallet. And he's got, he's got these, like, these knit sleeves on, too, that uh, was like, like the kind of like like hot topic like bar scene girl that I was into in two thousand five would wear those, but on Mikey Day does nothing for me. And he's an objectively handsome man, so that's kind of disappointing. Well, they're picking up their tickets for the raffle and to make sure their website is locked up tight. That was that was a funny bit. You know, he asks about the website, and, and Cole says, "I got that locked up tight." And Donnie says, "Yeah, well, make sure you got that locked up tight." <laughs> And then there's some, some, you know, Cole, Lemuke asks Cole where he parties, and Cole displays an arm covered with club stamps, and that's when Donnie displays his list of VIP passes for Cole to smell. And seriously, you got to smell them. <laughs> and then he just uh, licks his fingers and smooths Cole's eyebrows before they leave. So there is a... There is a long-standing debate about this scene between uh, between uh, myself and my good friend uh, Anthony Pony T. What's up? Uh, we at the end of the scene, Donnie like when he does this, where he like very dismissively like throws two tickets on the floor for Mikey to go after, uh, and he turns as they leave. There's a fart, and what we have been arguing about for years now is that did John Bernthal in his turn was that an act out? specifically for them to do that or was it just somebody in editing noticing after the fact oh he turns funny and lifts his leg let's throw just a quick part in there good measure oh i'm pretty sure oh. given the way this movie has gone so far that was in the script that was in the direction in you the think script. so i really do, do so? i'd say it's a bit of both <laughs> like it might it might have been an alternate thing they threw yeah. in later like uh hey like kind of like yeah okay and then like because like he's already gonna throw the tickets down right and then like yeah somewhere in like editing it's like oh yeah that'd be perfect we just threw a fart in there (laughs) like probably a bit of both i think that i think i think i think that's a a metaphor just for this movie entirely it's like just throw a fart yeah exactly and then when you go to get your ticket get fart in the face Or is it like straight to DVD? Uh, so I think this, this went was, straight to video. Yeah. No, no, this was, there was a limited release. I uh, I saw ads for it uh, in 2008. Uh, I think, it, and, I, and I'm sure it was in the theater for like a week, like like when Wilbur or uh, that that Crispin Glover movie came out. It was in Thursday and last Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It, it couldn't have lasted too long because there's no box yeah. office numbers for it anywhere. No, well, the crew is selling raffle tickets on campus. Douglas is trying to talk Barry into buying tickets by telling him that he can get in Penny's pants if he wins and then throwing out a bunch of cliches. Uh, Barry doesn't have his wallet, just his license and his credit card. And that's when Ficus says they take all major credit cards and they don't care if it doesn't belong to you. 
Just swipe it and wipe it clean. So that also is a running that uh, a thing they do keep track of throughout where uh, it's uh, uh, Barry keeps saying like, oh, I don't like I don't like bulges in my pants. I don't like I don't I don't like <laughs> carry my wallet or my keys because I want to have smooth lines on my pockets, basically. It's like, yeah, he's just he's just. Uh, it makes I don't like having a bulge in my pants. You know what I mean? No, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Penny and her friend kind of flirt with Barry as they sell him his raffle ticket, and she remembers his name because she remembers things sometimes. You know, Barry gets his ticket, and after he leaves, the girls make fun of him. Of course, that that uh, that line I I remember things sometimes was also in the trailer to this like. Well, Douglas and Barry head to the Pintron website to see if they have the winning ticket. What? By, by the way, did anybody think it was weird that it was a .net and not a .com? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you didn't so, have, like, it's, they didn't have to actually make their website. It's a movie. Like, don't, well, can... that, was, that was the kind of thing, though. .coms were, was, the prices was, have come down. Money. The prices have come down a lot. And, but at that time, a .com could cost you a few thousand dollars. Oh, and a okay. .net about 60 bucks. Oh, okay. So I guess that made more sense at the time. Yeah. You know, they 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 got they got they they need they need their they need the money from tickets for, you know, for 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 uh, you know, beard trimmers to Exactly. <laughs> well, that's where they find out there will be five winners who will, who will compete in an elimination contest. Of course, Barry has the winning ticket, so now Barry has to go to the Shine warehouse. For the next step of the intern contest. Meanwhile, Douglas has to get to class, but he doesn't go to class as a photo of Donnie Pintron on the website repeats, smell me. But it's time for Douglas to get his perv on. For some reason, there's a chalkboard with Chinese characters and a bunch of gibberish written on it in the background. I kind of zoomed in on this to see if there was anything sensible there and there wasn't. But for some reason, this class has turned into a step aerobics class for women not wearing a whole lot. Yeah. And it's just Charlie Finn in his jeans and T-shirt. Like, hey, but just, just go nuts, man. Be, yeah, be, exactly. Be, be a goon and, 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 and pretend that you don't like you don't know any steps. But that doesn't matter. You're just there having a good time. <laughs> that night. I was about how he's dancing and he starts twirling around. And then even like it kind of almost looked in the camera and it's like, and then he just goes back to doing the stairs and shit. <laughs> that night, Barry's asleep. He's having a dream about studying algebra when Penny shows up. She wants to, to hang out, hang out with him. So he closes his algebra book. And when he looks back up, Penny has turned into Tiffany, who ties him to the bed and poops on his chest. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's yeah, that's been a running line. The, the, the nice, the nice guy gets shit on. The nice guy gets shit on. And them acknowledging again, I think even in the script itself, how stupid the scene is, where Barry actually shouts, "Why am I dressed?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it cycles through Tiffany, the old lady at the mall, Donnie Pintron, and his entire crew yeah. pooping on his chest, and then Barry wakes up screaming. Outside, Douglas has, it's the next day outside, Douglas has modified Barry's car with the worst bubbly window tint ever. Mm. A spoiler, because it is, after all, a Honda Civic. Stickers, 
flames on the side and spinners. Not just spinners, but the the, the plastic Walmart spinners. Like the yes, <laughs> the plastic Walmart spinners. It's like something and that you get in a truck or some shit. Yes. This has been on every lowered truck in Ashland City, guaranteed. This is like my hometown all over again. <laughs> the wing on the back of the car is because Paul Walker gets laid in the Fast and the Furious, but Barry doesn't want to end up like Paul Walker, and I don't really blame him. I <laughs> wouldn't want to end up extra crispy either. <laughs> oh, shit. Right, yeah. yeah. Is it still too soon? <laughs> no, it is pretty soon. Douglas paid for all of this with Barry's mom's credit card, and Barry is outraged. But then yeah, a girl the, walks what by. F? What's that? What the f, man? My that's yes, my... yeah. What the f? But that's when a girl walks by, dressed like a '70s roller disco contestant, and she's got her dog on a leash, and she's on rollerblades because it's not the okay. '70s after all. Uh, she likes the car and the stickers, so Barry's just gonna go with this nonsense yeah it's good and 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 again just 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 uh douglas being wacky him working on his car grabs a screwdriver by the wrong end and then starts hitting the engine like it's a hammer yeah yeah he's hammering <laughs> on the engine with the handle of a screwdriver because he knows as much about cars as i do that reminds me of this great skit from kids in the hall where it's like yeah. it has work on the thing and it's the guy just comes out and he's wearing like overalls and he has a rubber mallet and he just starts beating his shit and screaming like, <laughs> I don't know, some kind of insane inbred like Wolfman or something. I just, yeah, but like, he, yeah, just like knocking on the fucking engine like an idiot. It's funny as shit. Oh, I think, are, 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 you, are you thinking of Kid Boy, uh, the secretary? On Kids in the Hall? Yeah. No, there was, a, it was like from like season one or two. Oh, like, okay. You know, Idiot, idiot voice season five. Yeah. yeah, and it's like uh he just likes starts beating on the car. It's like, oh, I can fix it and shit. Oh yeah, okay. I know what you're <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, nah, it's all right. I'm gonna go, you know, to the garage. No, I I can fix it. <gasps> and he just starts banging on shit. <laughs> well, Douglas drops Barry off at the Shine Warehouse, and Barry and the four other contestants stand in front of an empty stage, and a DJ magically appears playing house music. Donnie Pintron and his crew appear and do an ad for Red Bull when Donnie says they're all here to feed from his nipple, and then quotes the Cheers theme song. <laughs> Then they, uh, the contestants all introduce themselves. Yusef has the hookups. He has the hookups, son. Yep. <laughs> Brad Thunder has a prosthetic leg because during a workout, he was feeling the burn so hard that his leg caught on fire and burned off. <laughs> big Mikey Smalls, a.k.a. the Big Dog, is yeah. a white rapper who says son until it pisses off Ficus, who uses son for everything. So yeah. you're not allowed to do that. And that is that's Daniel Francis of uh, Damien Ingers. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. The the hoodie meme is like put the glasses on and the hoodie thing. Yeah. And I was like she doesn't even go here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next is Barry. Barry's just lame. And Philip, who brought his resume and has an MBA. Yeah. Just yeah. hey, let's let's also call him Wayne Brady because Chappelle show just happened. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, the first challenge is to get into the VIP room at 11 p.m. at Club Helium, the hardest club in town to get into. 
Cut to Barry, Douglas, and Ryan driving as Barry and Ryan discuss textbooks and Douglas looks appalled at them for being nerds. They're going to get Barry a fake ID to get in without an X on his hand. They end up in a barn filled with stuffed and mounted animals and a live horse because I guess stuffed and mounted animals are cheaper than real animals. You got all the barnyard noises. But none yeah. of the animals are alive. They're all taxidermy. And, and then one live horse. <laughs> Douglas talks about hunting and comments on the decor. That's when the photographer, who is played by Charlie Murphy, dressed like Captain Jack Sparrow with a giant fake beard, <laughs> shows up to make Barry's fake ID using an antique camera. Yeah, that is, that is quite the sequence. I... It's weird that it feels like so much of this was like them trying to stretch to to make the time of the movie, but it's still an right. hour and forty five minutes long. <laughs> oh yeah, it, this movie is way too long, and they were trying to stretch it out. They were, and and there's you know the the process of making comedy is the same no matter what you do. You take a concept and then you go as absurd as you can with that concept and then you go a little more absurd and that's what they did and yeah. it just yeah. Sometimes it worked and it worked really well. Sometimes it kind of worked okay. Sometimes it fell flat. Because at one point he has like a stick horse, like you have when you're or, 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 or Arnie, the Charlie Murphy here, walking around with like a, a children's like toy stick horse. Like, right. Yeah. Like, because why? Because why wouldn't you? We're here. Let's just do it. Yeah. Barry is trying to explain this whole internship thing to Ryan while we get a shot of a an Airstream trailer where that is rocking and smoking as Arnie produces Barry's fake ID. And then Arnie comes out with the fake ID. He's shirtless now. Yeah. He still has the eye patch, but he's shirtless and carrying a little broom handle horse. Yeah. However, he's made a perfect fake ID for Barry. Standing in line at Club Helium, Douglas tells Barry he thinks Ryan is gay because she's got a bumper sticker on her car. Meanwhile, Philip, who is black, is trying to get into helium with a fake ID that has a picture of a blonde-haired white guy on it. Mm-hmm. Clay is the doorman at this club, too. Clay works at every club. Clay's, uh, and Clay Clay's a star unto himself, and the stars are everywhere at every time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Clay kicks Philip out. Donnie and his crew are in the VIP room as the contestants show up. Donnie gives another speech and then tells him the next challenge is to prove they can pick up girls. Barry kind of gets caught making eyes at Penny, who is Donnie's sister. So Barry explains the mission to Douglas, who offers to take charge of the situation. You can't pick up a girl on your own. Let me take control of this for you and do it for you. I kind of think that Douglas wants to be a bar star himself rather than than allowing Barry to have this thing. It's, it's, it's definitely misguided on his part of trying to like he, he thinks this is what's best for him, but it's actually what he really wants yeah uh, exactly i do uh, there in the vip section though there is this great just like throwaway line when that whole uh, thing happens back and forth between penny and uh and barry where they're like making eyes at each other and trying like that's to like he makes a bunch of like hockey puns and then finishes it out with like by saying 
like, and that guy uh, uh, ended up with a, with a uh, scorching case of herpes from Ron Hextall, which is, I, like, I think he played for the Penguins. Just... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. No, no, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Well, she got herpes, but not from her sister. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ryan encourages Barry to pick up this girl who's sitting alone at a nearby table. And Douglas wants Barry to lie to her and tell her that he's a talent scout for a modeling agency. Barry, on the other hand, wants to do it his way. So Barry goes to talk to this girl whose name is Gabby. Meanwhile, Douglas is talking shit to Ryan. Barry's talking to Gabby and he almost tells her that he works in a mall kiosk, but then he goes to decides to go with the lie and tell her that he recruits models. He ends up getting her number as Ryan figures out that Douglas's hostility all stems from him being hurt by a girl. Yeah. That yeah, that back and forth where he says, like, you want you want him to be weak so you can hit him over the head with your woman bat. That was another uh, trailer selection, too. Which again. It was very, uh, it was almost impossible to tell what this movie was supposed to be about from the trailer or like who any of these even were. Like it was right. so all over the place. Like uh, if, you, if you haven't watched it, like, really, like watch the trailer and think, and, and after this, it's like, oh, did that convey any of what you thought this was going to be about to you? The answer is <laughs> Well, I mean, that's what a movie, uh, when, when a movie's not great, that's what the trailer's supposed yeah. to do is be vague enough to make you buy a ticket to find out what the hell it's about. Well, after Barry gets her number, Corey Lemuke shows up to congratulate him and show him how it's done. He stops a girl who's walking by to tell her that he can surf. He rolls with Pintron LLC and he has a massive hammer. And that works because movie. Yep. Just the grossest, like, like just tongue lead make out with this chick, too. <laughs> <laughs> And and then asks her if she takes it in the two hole. Yeah, I just met you. Do you take it in the two hole? Yep, I believe. And then and uh, to to which Barry says he means well. Yeah, he means well. <laughs> Next day at lunch, Barry mentions he hasn't heard from Tiffany in a while. That's when Penny shows up and tells Barry that she had fun with him the other night and oh by the way you left this in my car and she hands him like the big paper grocery bag yeah barry doesn't remember going home with her and in the bag is a gun yeah it's a big that that looked like that was about a 45 that was a very large pistol it was a very big gun yeah yeah Ryan shows up and Douglas tells her that Barry went out with Penny. Ryan seems upset about this because, of course, she's in love with Barry because rom-com. But they've got to leave. Barry and Douglas has to have to leave because Douglas has a treat for Barry. And as they go, he drops this huge gun in this completely empty trash can, making this massive bang. There's no way you can't you can't hear it. After after he got his friends on it too, so all over it, yeah. And let's let's throw it away in a school because there aren't extra lots about shit. Now let's go ahead and get this out of the way because I know if 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 we see a gun in a movie and a period of lost time, it's gonna come back to haunt us. But not this time. This is this is this is over and done with. We're never gonna see this again. Chekhov's gun, it was not. Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> so Douglas's treat for Barry is a trip to a nursing home. Barry is going to give him a final lesson to become a bar star, which is basically kill your parents and then kill me kill and then kill a cop and, you know, just weird stuff. Yeah, it makes no sense. Just throw some stuff out there. But they're there to see Ricky Fabulous, who is in the nursing home in a recliner surrounded by velvet ropes. Uh, the nurse introduced, says that he has a visitor and, and Ricky looks at him and then nods to her and she opens the velvet rope and they can enter. So even in his dotage, he's a bar star. And Ricky also star. can't get Barry's name right. So very much like Donnie. They, they call him Larry. They call him Gary. They call him everything except Barry. He calls him Terry at one point, too. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the profound lesson, the profound talk. And it makes absolutely no sense at all. He talks about posers who wear she seashell necklaces and posing instead of dancing. Douglas asks how you know when the star dies and Ricky starts freaking out. So a nurse injects him in the neck with a sedative and Ricky looks at him and says, uh, I can't count. So Barry and Douglas decide this is a, this is a good time to leave that night. Barry and Douglas meet Ryan and her cousin, Patty waiting in line at the club. They offer to help him skip the line. And Clay has another profound speech for Barry, but he lets him in anyway. Every time Barry and Douglas come to a club, Clay just waves Douglas on in, but he's got something profound to tell Barry every single time. Yeah, wave, wave also, but waves Douglas then after that, like, really uncomfortable and weird hug, which, again, no, another thing they put in the trailer because it's like, hey, it's, it's Charlie Finn be, be, being goofy. Like, yeah. In the VIP room, Ficus and Lemuke explain the next challenge is to pick up another girl with a spy camera and an earpiece. This bit is lifted straight from that VH1 series, The Pickup Artist. Barry has to pick up a girl at the bar who is an obvious cross-dresser. I say obvious because she's got a beard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're just messing with him, and they direct him to approach Ryan's cousin, Patty. He buys her a drink, asks for a number, and she gives him a number. That The way she's looking, it, it seems like she gave him a fake number. A little bit, yeah. And then Barry heads back to the VIP room. Yusuf is up next. He's telling him how ready he is when a couple of Arabs show up and drag him away. Yeah, that's the, it. There's, there's like they're supposed to be like, the, it's like a play like the like morality police or whatever. There's a really, really minor detail that I noticed, but uh, one of them who uh, has his, uh, his his scarf on, he's wearing a kafia and not a shema, which is uh, it's a, very, it's a very minor distinction, but it's what I picked up on. We've seen the movie so far. You think they're going to do research? Oh, no, no. I, well, I, I will say it was, it was a little surprising, though, to see a kafia on screen because that's that's specifically Palestinian. And those are a little bit harder to come by, whereas the shema is a lot more ubiquitous. So, yeah. like, I'm actually kind of surprised that that was the wardrobe department to begin with. I don't know. <laughs> so that's two people down. Next up is Pintron LLC Fashion Week. I feel like After... also at that point in the script, they were just sort of, they're, like, done writing that scene. They're like, well, do we do the stuff where the other guys do? No, just, we'll, we'll just, we'll just call it and get, get well, it. Well, 
Yeah, it was kind of weird because, you know, they wanted they couldn't be overtly violent at at this point. You know, they couldn't shoot him and keep the PG-13 rating and they couldn't explain it because it just makes no sense. They have to eliminate this guy Uh, going on with the pickup thing is going to take too long. Let's just have one of them eliminated that way. Afterward, Penny starts making out with Barry as Ryan and her cousin watch. Ryan sees this and leaves because obviously she loves Barry. True to rom-com formula, this is where Barry loses the one girl he really wants. Meanwhile, Douglas is in the VIP lounge lying to women about the NBA draft and being an investor. He also tells him Barry's an astronaut who passed the bar exam when he was eight. Uh, but Barry's leaving, and the creepy bar guy is also here. He works at every bar, and he's just staring at Douglas. He's haunting. Yes, he is. <laughs> In the ladies' room, Penny and her friend are talking about Barry while Ryan overhears them from a stall nearby. Penny is just using Barry, but she can't remember if she had sex with him. But then she says she did, and she'll go out with him once more before she moves on. The, the way that her friend asked, so it's the character's name is Melanie. I don't think they say her name in the entire movie. No, they never do. But she is credited as Melanie. And she, she, she's like, well, I don't care if he's nice. I want to know how big his nature is. Right. <laughs> Got to keep that PG-13 rating. I, and, I, and I get that. I, I get, like, yeah, they were trying to write around that. But yeah. Why not just ask how big how big it was? They, you, you could say it on sign. Yeah. don't know well barry's getting dressed and it's the next day barry's getting dressed and wondering if ryan called douglas explains the bar stars preparation routine and we cut to a pintron llc montage starting with a shower then hair teeth whitening and red bull Mm -hmm. then getting dressed with heavily padded underwear which we pad even further you will say you know kudos to bernthal Shows his whole ass at this thing. Yes. Respect, man. Barry doesn't want any more advice from Douglas. He blows up at Douglas for using his mom's credit card and screwing up his life. And this all goes way over Douglas's head. And so they head to the bar. Yep. During this whole thing, Douglas is kind of looking like he's starting to feel bad about the whole thing. He just lets Barry get it all out of his system and said, okay, see you at the bar. Yeah, good, good, good talk. Yeah. Cut two people dancing at the club, including a girl standing on the table dancing while the DJ throws fruit at her. He throws an orange and misses. He throws a banana and misses. And finally, he's had enough. He grabs a giant phone book to throw at her, which hits her in the chest, knocking her off the table. Also, where did a phone book? Boy, is that again? Just again, another thing that this is very much a a, a product of its time. Like, oh yeah, I no, I I. When I was watching that scene, I don't know if either of you could tell. Was that also Mike D as the DJ? Yeah. Like, I don't think he's supposed to be Cole there, but that is Mike D in that role, right? Same dude, yeah. It's the guy from Saturday Night Live. Okay. The remaining three contestants show up at Club Seismic for Fashion Week. Donnie starts his speech with some Shakespeare. There are two shot glasses and three contestants, so only one will move on because it's mathematically impossible for all three to move on since there are three of them and only two shot glasses. Let's drag that out as long as we possibly can. 
So they want to check out everybody's clothes. Brad Thunder is wearing really tight jeans with a chain wallet. I think they were actually, I don't, I don't think those were denim. I think they might have been like, uh, like uh, that's that stretch vinyl. That's like I have no jeans. idea. Yeah. No, it was very, which, and a, again, a very, very 2005 gay joke where they call it, they, he says, you look like, he looks like gay Rambo. Yeah. And Fike is going hell to the no-no. That was also another big trailer moment. It's like, right. that, I don't think that one hits the way you guys know. <laughs> He's next. They want to see his snakeskin boots. And then the final two contestants are Brad and Mikey Smalls. Barry has been eliminated. Mikey Smalls, of course, wearing all white with a, a cane that was basically a tree limb. <laughs> uh, uh, I, believe, I believe it was uh, Inglewood Pine, if I yes. recall. As Barry leaves the VIP room, Penny and her friend appear and dump him. Then they pour their drinks over his head. Rom-com formulas say the guy also loses, uh, the guy has to lose everything before he gets the girl he wants. And yeah. so we see Sad Barry walking the streets at night, contemplating his loss as Sad Guitar plays. That is, I will say, he really, uh, Derek, Derek Waters as Barry really does nail that sad guy walking sequence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Back home, Barry is stupid typing at the computer because if you can type, you can do whatever you want. You can be a doctor if you type 60 words a minute. Ryan shows up at the door to give Barry back his textbook, and Barry apologizes for treating him badly and confesses that he really likes her, but he was just afraid to tell her, and he wants to be her boyfriend, but Ryan just wants to be friends, and Barry's okay with that as long as she'll take him shopping because he really dresses like a turd. <laughs> Barry also says he really wants to see who wins the contest. So Douglas, Barry, and Ryan decide they're going to the club to see the end of the contest. So now they're at a club called Element. Ryan asks Barry if he wore it, signaling a reveal coming up. And of course he wore it. I can put everything in here. Clay is the doorman at this club, too. He's got more philosophy for Barry about losing a kitten and then finding it smashed under a rock and deciding you want a dog instead. Uh, but you were better off without that kitten. So, you know, inside the club, Ryan heads to the restroom while Douglas and Barry head to the bar. Douglas tries to convince Barry that he always liked Ryan. She's in his MySpace top eight, and he even took her love survey. Douglas is getting really weird and trying to push Barry away. That's when Penny shows up and apologizes for being mean to him. She wants to go out with him again. But Ryan comes back from the best restroom then and, and uh, Penny leaves saying that she's so upset that they never slept together. Well, Ryan is so relieved to hear that Barry never slept with Penny that she kisses Barry. Yeah. And Barry says, I thought we were friends. And she goes, no. No, we're definitely not friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that, like, th th this idea of, like, oh, well, while you, while you were 19 and in college, you had sex with another woman who I'm not even in the same social circle as. I can't possibly, like, go out with you because of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody would care about that at all. <laughs> Pintron LLC arrives with Tiffany. She's with Donnie in an attempt to make Barry jealous, but Barry's not jealous, and he introduces 
Tiffany to Ryan, his girlfriend, which causes Tiffany to storm off in a rage. That's when Donnie notices Barry's fashion pack. It's it's a fanny pack. This don't don't lie about it. It's a fanny yeah. pack. <laughs> Donnie's a little disturbed by this because he thinks it makes Barry a little cooler than he is. So he tries to one up Barry by saying, "I'm 35 years old." Yeah. Also in the trailer to the "I'm 35." Yeah, and he quotes Need for Speed, and then they walk off. But Lemuke and Ficus take a moment to show their appreciation. For for Barry's uh, new status, yeah. So they could he could he could wingman for them anytime, just like in Top Gun. Yes, yeah. Uh, Brad Thunder is announced as the winner of the internship, and Big Mikey Smalls is not happy. Mm. He brought his cousins with him, and they start a brawl, the yeah. obligatory ball f- bar fight, which pleases Clay because now he can break out his kung fu. Yeah, no, he was. Uh... He's just waiting for that. I think the whole movie just yeah. to, to really like fuck somebody up. He can do his super fly. Yeah. Big Mikey and Donnie face off in the middle of the bar. Yeah. As Donnie comes down off of the off of the the platform that is the VIP area, he kind of levitates down in front of Big Mikey. Uh, they're about to face off, and that's when a girl walks by. Donnie can't miss an opportunity to hit on this girl, offer asking her if she wants him to touch her with his tiger tongue. Yeah. And that's when she slaps him and his glasses fly off, revealing that he is cross-eyed. And we take the lack of profanity joke to its ultimate conclusion when somebody in the crowd yells, holy S, he's effing cross-eyed. <laughs> And we watch Donnie Pintron's star die. Yep. Turns out he was a poser the whole time. He was a poser the whole time. Douglas picks up the glasses because they kind of stopped at his feet and just puts them on. The creepy barback dude, he puts on some sunglasses too and tells Douglas he needs a new name and dubs him Derek Flowers. And now Douglas is the new bar star. Everybody starts chanting flowers, and we get the epilogue. Donnie's sister Penny became a stripper, and apparently the club where she works is worth the cover. Yeah, got a beefy, which, again, always a great sign when you do the the Animal House ending, but it's in the credits, and it's tapped on and just text and still in. Right. Always Uh, the sign of a great book. TJ Ficus used his megaphone to become a motivational speaker for troubled youth. Corey Lemuke became the manager of an Abercrombie at the mall. Douglas opened several nightclubs and grew a mustache. Ryan and Barry started a designer fanny pack company and actually dated, at least in this version of the story. Yep. Donnie Pintron, whose real name is Jonathan Preston Scott Kennedy IV, is one of the millions of cross-eyed people. And Barry had sex with Ryan. Then she cheated on him a few days later. And roll credits. Yep. Or she she cheated on him with a guy who had a hot, a hatchback with nicer ribs. That's so. There, that's that's the standard. Let's, let's immediately let's 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 undercut the entire conceit of the film in the very last line that we did on the screen. <laughs> so that's your movie, man. Oh man, 
Um, you, know, you know, I always watch these movies twice. I watch it once just to experience it. And then I watch it again to take notes on it. And uh, again, I'm not trying to just crap all over your favorite movie, but this was a job to get through. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Trust me. This, this to me is a lot like, I would almost say, uh, a lot of like the Gary Sanchez productions that Adam McKay and Will Ferrell did together in that like, I, at this point now, I'm, I've seen this movie at least a dozen times. And so I, it, it, become, it becomes funnier to me over time. The first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, I, I it's like, what the fuck was this? This was, this, was, this was terrible. Who thought any of this was a good idea? But I just kept coming back to it over time because I, you know, I enjoy terrible, like, much like Jesse here. I'm a fan of, like, it's not bad movies, but bad movies where they just went for it. And this is one of those really bad movies where everybody's going for it. And it's and like having a good time with it, and it's it's but but they're having a good time, which is the pathos is terrible, and the writing is bad, and the characters are are, are poorly developed, and nothing is is going right. But just it all really like, it all fucking comes together to this soup of terrible that I really enjoy laughing at. Yeah, yeah, and you know Michael Pietzek, uh learned after making this movie that making movies is okay. is not where he's going to make a living. And so he's moved on to other things. You know, you, we, we've all got to we've all got to reach that that realization at some point. Now, you know, granted, with three days to Vegas, he almost had a winner. And so, you know, it makes sense to go again, see if yeah. you can find that find the magic and, and find the winner. And and he just didn't. And, and that's a shame. Yeah, really. But uh well, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for of sharing course. your movie with us. Thanks for being a Patreon member of to course. the rest of our listeners. If you want to come on and talk about your favorite movie, go over to patreon.com slash cdfpod. Can, uh, uh, can I throw out a couple of quick plugs, though? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys, if, if uh, any of your listeners are in New York City, uh, my my dear, dear friend, Misha Han, is a stand-up comedian. He's very very funny dude uh just go on instagram hi misha uh and then that's that's where he posts all of his dates around the city um uh also my 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 uh, good another good friend of mine if you are in boston the new england area is named ethan marsh uh just like search ethan marsh comedian on google or check out his twitch uh streaming show uh twitch.tv slash barn hamlin it's uh a talk show uh, that he does in the character of Barn Hamlin, who is a sci-fi writer. Uh, that the last week's episode was about tough guys. Uh, check that's every Thursday. Uh, and then just I want to say hi real quick, you know, uh, to, to again to Anthony. Uh, did, did this episode for you, buddy? Uh, uh, you know, uh, of course, my, my, my good friend Sean. I love you, buddy. And uh, Donna Corby. I'll see you in November, you Finian bastard. Uh-huh. All right, Jesse. Any final thoughts on this one? I was confused because, like, it was like a romantic comedy, but it, there's like two guys, and there was like a cool guy that didn't get shit on, and then there was a nice guy that did get shit on. And it seems like they did that on purpose just so they can have like the edgy humor. And yeah, it really felt like a like a screwball, uh, 2000s, like you know, bro comedy, but it was like just they had it, the nuts clipped off. I'd like to see if it got pushed farther, like if because there's like no tits in it. <laughs> That's an yeah, if they if they had been willing to go for the R rating, they could have 
made this the the movie yeah. that it needed it, to be. It felt like Dan Wilder, but like G thirteen. It's kind of like when they took uh Showgirls and they're like, "How can we market this to teen girls?" And they made Coyote ugly. <laughs> That's what this felt like. I was like, "Man, it's hitting all them beats, but there's like something not there." And it's like probably could have used some drugs and some nudity and yeah, some fucking cussing. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that i mean kudos to them for sticking for 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 um for going all the way with the joke yeah. but there I were like better it, jokes to go all the way with it did like a pure flick version of like <laughs> you know i and i love the people in it like all the people went on to be good shit but like they were you know you know they can cuss and shit man dude because the punisher he started killing everybody and help yeah, you see him in Fury, man. He was like killing people in a tank in World War II. That movie kicked ass. Yeah. Of course, Brad Pitt was in it, so you know. So and and yeah, and this is the lesson because he put together. So first of all, he got the money. He so he was successful in getting the money. He yeah. got the people. He was successful in putting together a winning crew. He put together a cast that worked really well together. The script was the part that was missing. And that was yeah. the only thing that got in the way of this being a, a much more successful movie. And that that's kind of a shame to not to not have the awareness to know that I've got everything except this one piece. I don't know if it was if this was the movie he always wanted to make. And now I've got uh, after this movie. I've got the credibility that I can get the funding to make the movie I've always wanted to make. Or if he just said, yeah, okay, this is good enough. Let's go with it. Which I mean, either one of those is kind of a shame. Yeah. Or I'm up to my eyeballs in debt. I got to like max out all these credit cards. I need to just edit this and get it paid. You know, that seems much more like the, the situation. Yeah. If, uh, the only other thing on on a Saturday afternoon is infomercials. This will get it done. <laughs> like watch this and like some broken lizard comedies like uh, Club Dread or something. For sure. <laughs> Maybe have a bowl of sativa first, too. Yes. Or four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for joining us. We really oh, appreciate it. Oh, thank you it. guys so much for having me. This is right. a lot of fun. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. And if guys, if you are ever in New York City, you know there is a there's still a shit ton of like indie theaters out here. There's a uh, you know just a lot of a lot of I think like 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 weird like like books and 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 and, and still like stores that sell VHS tapes and shit out here, man. Like please come to visit at some point. If you do, let me know. I'm happy, I'll, I'll take you out for a beer. Hell yeah! Right I'm on. Down. All right, man. You have a good one. You too. Bye, guys. Later, Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made. <laughs>